Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tonight, as we come on the air with you, there are protests in cities across the country after the United States Supreme Court toppled a constitutional protection that had stood for 50 years, the right of women to choose abortion. In a 6-3 decision, the court sided with Mississippi, which will now ban abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. A slightly smaller 5-4 majority went further and threw out Roe v. Wade, the landmark 1973 opinion that established a federal right to legal abortion. This morning, the radical Supreme Court is eviscerating Americans' rights and endangering their health and safety. The ruling does not make abortion illegal, but it will lead to all but total bans on the procedure in more than half the states. A final triumph in a generational crusade by anti-abortion rights activists and their political allies. The court affirmed today that every life is worth living. My hope, my prayer is that America will reclaim our identity as a nation whose God-given rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is an ABC News special, the end of Roe v. Wade. From ABC News headquarters, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky. Good evening. The U.S. Supreme Court eliminated the constitutional right to an abortion in a ruling that said Roe versus Wade was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, the opinion said, and the decision has had damaging consequences. So we're going to begin tonight with ABC's Devin Dwyer, who covers the Supreme Court for us. Devin, walk us through the opinion. The words seem to echo a draft opinion leaked in early May. Very similar, Aaron, uh, to the draft leaked in early May from Justice Samuel Alito. In fact, uh, almost identical with the exception of new lengthy rebuttals to the dissent and to Justice uh, John Roberts's concurrence uh, in the case. So almost to a T, Samuel Alito sticking to that original argument we got a preview of uh, that Roe versus Wade in 73 was egregiously wrong uh, in his view, those words, and that it did not meet the standard uh, for upholding stare decisis. They said that it was arbitrary, that these rights that the court at the time uh, read into the Constitution simply are not there, that there's not a constitutional uh, right to abortion, and therefore uh, it must be struck down. And Alito, um, you know, quotes chapter and verse through a very selective history uh, of abortion rights in this country, state bans, state restrictions, um, to make that case. Uh, A a bitter dissent uh, from the other side, uh, Justice Breyer uh, writing for that side, saying that this is uh, a really troubling day for the Supreme Court, uh, one that uh, was a tragic mistake on the part of the court that will that will harm the court's reputation in effect uh, and those words also echoed by none other than Chief Justice John Roberts a conservative Aaron who told us that he uh, would have agreed with Mississippi upheld that ban at 15 weeks in that state uh, but that he would not have gone so far he said it was not necessary to overturn Roe and take away completely a woman's right to choose um, that could have been saved for another day Justice Roberts said in fact he preferred a more measured course but Justice Alito's opinion really eviscerates the idea of incremental change. 
I mean, J Justice Alito goes right at John Roberts uh, in, in his opinion and basically says, you know, there's no delaying the inevitable, uh, that what John Roberts was suggesting, uh, that some sort of new standard allowing a woman an opportunity, a reasonable opportunity to have an abortion. That was the Roberts suggestion. Uh, Alito said that simply was unworkable, uh, that courts and states would sim have a very hard time figuring out what that meant with, you know, an open the, the flood to a whole host of new controversies um, and, uh, you know, in the court system and beyond. Uh, so he said, now's the time to shut it down, and that's what we're doing. The decision will then lead to all but total bans on abortion in about half the states. And you mentioned Justice Breyer's dissent, which said the decision's effect is geographically expansive, particularly for poor women who cannot get the money to fly to a distant state for a procedure. So what resources are available for women now, Devin? This is really the regionalization of abortion rights in America, uh, Aaron. I mean, in the South and the Midwest, it's now going to be all but impossible to get access to an abortion. If you have the means, you can travel to the coasts where it will remain legal. They will be abortion havens. In many ways, this is sort of back to what it was before 1973. Um, so if you're a woman in a state where abortion is now being banned, you really have three three options. To make that trip, if you can afford it, uh, to take matters into your own hands uh, and perform an abortion or seek an abortion outside the medical uh, system in your state, something seen as very dangerous. That's what most concerns women's rights advocates after this decision. Uh, and then, of course, the third option is to keep the pregnancy, to continue it, uh, to put the child up for adoption, to have it. Um, and, you know, a number of states for years, the Catholic Church, other aid groups have talked about trying to convince women to keep their, uh, their babies and with the promise of unlimited emotional and financial support along the way. Uh, and, you know, we just spent some time in Texas, sort of a case study in that promise, if you will, for alternatives to abortion. Um, and 84,000 women, according to the state of Texas, just in the past year so far, have signed up for, for a state-run program seeking those uh, alternatives. Bottom line, Aaron, uh, they're pretty thin. Uh, the 14 states that have had the most restrictive bans on abortion to date have spent the least, invested the least uh, in programs uh, to support women and their families, uh, things like nutrition assistance, um, health care expansion and the like. Uh, and that's what's considered by many to be very troubling today. You also visited Mississippi in this opinion came in a case involving Mississippi. What happens to the state's lone abortion clinic now? It's devastating uh, for abortion rights in Mississippi in particular. There was one abortion rights clinic left, Aaron. It was Jackson Women's Health there in the capital. A small facility performs about 2,500 abortions a year, only uh, up to 16 weeks. Um, it's almost certainly going to be forced to close in the coming weeks um, when this law all pans out. The decision sort of ripples through the legal system. Uh, and that closes a door for women across the South. We've followed stories of women who have traveled from Texas and other states where, um, you know, c coming to Mississippi, coming to Jackson to receive care there, that's now going to be cut off. Um, it, but what most concerns uh, the handful of women, dedicated women that have worked at that clinic, is what's going to happen to their patients uh, in, in Mississippi who are going to be in these compromising situations and really want to get an abortion. In fact, uh, Shannon Brewer, the clinic director, mother of six, grandmother, has been on the front lines of this fight for years. Um, I asked her when I was down there, Aaron, what impact will overturning Roe have on you um, and this town? And she said, no law, no court, no decision will stop abortion here or anywhere. And she said, a woman who is desperate enough will try anything. Uh, I found it 
an incredibly sobering assessment and a nod to potentially where we're headed, um, you know, as many of these uh, low-income, particularly minority women, grapple with these unwanted or unintended pregnancies. ABC's Devin Dwyer, who covers the Supreme Court. This decision was immediately denounced today by President Biden. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. We're joined by ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers. Karen, the president said the court took away a constitutional right from the American people. Aaron, the president said this is the realization of an extreme ideology. He called this a tragic error by the Supreme Court. And he said with Roe gone, the health and life of women in the United States are now at risk. And the president, on multiple occasions in his remarks, said this was a sad day for the United States. He says it's a very solemn moment. But he said it doesn't mean the fight is over. The only way we can secure a woman's right to choose the balance that existed is for Congress to restore the protections of Roe v. Wade as federal law. Aaron, the president is saying this is now on Congress, uh, that Congress needs to codify the protections that Roe v. Wade had for the right to an abortion. But the problem is they don't have the numbers in Congress to do that. They've tried to do that in recent weeks after that draft decision had leaked, but it wasn't doable. So the president today was saying that Americans now need to get out, make their voices heard, and in November and in subsequent elections, need to elect more lawmakers who will do just that. Not even just at the federal level, but do it at the state level as well in order to try and restore those protections that Roe had made the law of the land. And it wasn't just abortion that he said was at stake. No, the president, back when that uh, draft decision had been leaked in early May, had expressed significant concerns about what this would mean for a variety of rights that Americans now take for granted. And he reiterated that again today. He said Roe recognized the right to privacy, that this is ingrained in the fabric of this country right now, that Americans have the ability to make the best decisions for their own health in terms of birth control, also the ability to decide who you want to marry. And he explicitly called out Justice Clarence Thomas, who, in his writing on this decision, uh, called for the reconsideration of marriage equality and the right to contraception. President Biden says this is extreme and says it is a dangerous path that this Supreme Court is taking the nation down. ABC's Karen Travers, our White House correspondent. Coming up, we're going to get into the opinion a little bit deeper with the help of a couple of legal scholars. So stay with us when this ABC News special continues. You're listening to an ABC News special, The End of Roe v. Wade. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. By a 5-4 to four vote, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade, leaving states free to outlaw abortion after 50 years of constitutional protection. Writing for the majority, Justice Alito said we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. The Constitution, he said, makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision. We're joined now by two legal scholars, Fred Lawrence at Georgetown Law, Mary Ziegler at UC Davis. Mary, let's begin with you. This decision would have been unthinkable just a few years ago. It still feels unthinkable in some ways. I mean, this is a very different kind of court. Um, in, we know historically that the court has been afraid of backlash. When it comes to abortion, the court has said that it's afraid of backlash, and with reason, because historically we've known Congress can strip the court of jurisdiction, can change even how many people sit on the court. But this is a moment where clearly the court is saying either we don't think anything will happen regardless of what we do, 
or we just don't care because we don't see that as our job. And that's a very different kind of court than the one we've grown used to. And I think that's part of what makes this moment so momentous. It's also momentous because anyone of reproductive age has grown up in an America where not only is abortion not a crime, they have no idea what that actually means. And Fred, uh, those people that cannot imagine an uh, American life without a protected right to abortion are now being told by Justice Alito that Roe was egregiously wrong and deeply damaging. How does he reach that conclusion? He reaches that conclusion by saying that rights are really measured against the original understanding of those rights in 1791 when the Bill of Rights was ratified by the states in 1868 when the 14th Amendment was ratified, which applies those rights to the states, and as if nothing significant had happened in the last 150 or 250 years. And that is the same thing we saw yesterday in the gun rights case, where the question about what kind of regulation of firearms uh, is determined by what were the rules in 1791. I, I think one of the things that is most striking about this to me is there really was a sense that the court was in dialogue with the country. And that sometimes the court was a little ahead of the country, sometimes a little behind the country, but the court helped form certain opinions. This is not a court in dialogue with the country. This is a majority of the court that is in dialogue with one part of the country and is essentially telling the other part of the country, your view on this matter doesn't count. Chief Justice Roberts voted with the majority in saying that Mississippi should prevail in the Dobbs case and be allowed to ban abortion after 15 weeks. But he said he would have taken a more measured course and not overruled Roe outright. What's the distinction there? The distinction is that Robert says the only issue that had to be decided in this case was whether the viability standard from Roe, I'll come back to that in a second, whether the viability standard in Roe should survive. When Roe was decided, the court said that once a fetus is viable, then the rights of the mother become somewhat lessened, the rights of the fetus become somewhat greater. Robert said that over time, science changes, what it means to be viable changes. That's a weak standard. It's not an effective standard. So he would say that's not the standard we ought to use. Instead, the standard is when regulations place an undue burden on the woman. That's that's a standard that was largely associated with Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. So Justice Roberts says always do the smaller thing when you're the court. And of course, he's saying that for a reason, because that's what conservative justices always used to say. So you can imagine that's what he must have said to Justice Alito in conference room. You know, Sam, do the smaller thing. Don't do this big thing. Justice Alito said, no, we're going to do the big thing. And Mary, that's then a complete repudiation of this sort of incremental approach that seems to be advocated by the chief justice to controversial legal issues, abortion and beyond. Yeah, there's a moment, a really telling moment in the, the opinion where Justice Alito essentially says, you know, it isn't our job to care about the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. You know, essentially, in a nutshell, if this destroys the legitimacy of the Supreme Court, that's not our problem. Our job is to interpret the law and to apply whatever interpretive method we see fit. And that's really where he parts ways with Chief Justice Roberts. I think Chief Justice Roberts is worried deeply about the obviously growing perception that this is a partisan court and the damage that that's doing. And I think other Americans should be concerned about that, too. We're living at a time when faith in democratic institutions is declining. The court had been the exception to that rule, and now I think no longer. But the, the justices who wrote the, the decision to overturn Roe and to do it this quickly 
immediately upon the arrival of a sixth conservative justice at the court, I don't think share his concern. And I think we're going to have to live with the fallout from that. Justice Alito is careful to say that nothing, in his opinion, should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion. Mary, is he right about that? Well, I, I think obviously anytime I, I always say if the Supreme Court gives you a guarantee that other rights are not affected, the first thing you should ask is why are they needing to tell you that they're protesting too much? The second thing I would say is often those guarantees have an expiration date. It was often conservatives like Antonin Scalia who would protest when progressives would say, hey, you know, we just said you can't criminalize same sex intimacy. That doesn't mean that you um, we're going to have to say there's a right to marriage equality or same-sex marriage. And yet, lo and behold, 12 years later, they did. So it may be that we can take Justice Alito's guarantee to be good for a year or two. But after that, I think all bets are off. Fred, can we talk about the dissent for a moment? Sure. I think Justice Breyer is sending his, his final word uh, out as a justice in this very powerful dissent uh, he dissents like this are letters to the future. He wants this to be read. He, he not only celebrates what Roe and Planned Parenthood against Casey meant as constitutional law, but of the process by which constitutional law evolves, the way in which the Constitution and rights under the Constitution change over time, and it's the role of the court to evolve that uh, as our democracy grows, as we become, if you will, a more perfect union. And I think that is his clarion call to say that the court is taking not only the wrong road or wrong decision in this case, but the wrong approach to constitutional interpretation. Shouldn't be looking backwards and saying, what did rights used to be? And let's fix those in cement. We should be looking forward and thinking, what is the kind of nation state that we wish to build? Fred Lawrence, Mary Ziegler, our thanks to you. Justice Breyer's dissent also lamented how women can no longer rely on the availability of abortion in structuring their relationships and in planning their lives. Some states moved immediately to restrict abortion. Others vowed to remain safe havens. I spoke to New York Attorney General Letitia James, and it was clear from our very first words just how passionate she is about this. Hi, General. I'm angry. I'm upset. And no one calls me general. (laughs) But I guess we're at war, so I guess generals is appropriate. Well, you made clear in your initial statement reacting to this decision that you think you are now at war because you called this decision vicious and dangerous. So from the point of fertilization, um, no government is bound to respect the rights of women. It's an an outrageous decision. Overturns 50 years of precedent precedent that women and individuals seeking abortion have relied upon over the years. Uh, We are basically have been deemed second-class citizens with no autonomy over our own bodies. And so this is a political decision and this lies at the feet of Republicans in Congress who are responsible for this very right-wing radical Supreme Court, which has upended the lives of Americans and individuals seeking abortion. And the only response, my friend, is a political response. People have to vote. Is there any doubt that New York will remain a safe haven for women seeking an abortion? No doubt. And in the coming days, the governor of the great state of New York will call a special session. I'm confident that we will enshrine in our constitution an equality amendment, uh, which uh, will protect the right of women to choose. I urge every 
American who is seeking a safe abortion to contact abortionfinder.org and could come to New York, a safe haven where abortions will be paid for, where we will provide you with transportation and lodging. We respect women. We respect a woman's right to choose. And we respect that individuals, that women should have full autonomy over their own body, period, full stop. New York Attorney General Letitia James, our thanks to you. We're going to visit the other side of the country and talk to an anti-abortion rights activist when this ABC News special continues. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to an ABC News special, The End of Roe v. Wade. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. Now that Roe has fallen, a number of states are moving to outlaw abortion. Oklahoma did it within hours. This is a huge day uh, for Americans and certainly for those who believe that life begins at conception. The west coast of the United States, though, is vowing it will be a haven for abortion seekers. ABC's Alex Stone is in Los Angeles tonight. Alex, what are leaders there saying? Well, Aaron, tonight the governors of California, Oregon, and Washington State are calling it the West Coast offense, saying these states will be what they're calling a safe haven for women from anywhere in the U.S. who are trying to get an abortion, that they will be welcomed here and protected. The group has named the multi-state commitment to reproductive freedom the governors of the three states put out an audio statement today saying... And we're going to expand access to abortion services to the people in need. Washington Governor Jay Inslee there. They're vowing to not only allow anybody to get an abortion who comes to the West Coast, but to protect them when they do, laid out by Oregon Governor Kate Brown. We will resist intrusions by out-of-state prosecutors, law enforcement, or vigilantes trying to investigate patients receiving services in our state. In fact, just this week, California lawmakers passed a bill protecting abortion providers from civil action that could be started in other states like Texas. California is also proposing a travel fund that would pay for women in Republican-led states where abortion will be banned to travel to California to have an abortion carried out here. Governor Gavin Newsom saying today, You'll fight like hell to protect your rights and your safety. Obviously, a lot of it highly controversial here, and it's unclear if some of that legislation will go anywhere. Aaron? ABC's Alex Stone on the deepening divide in our already polarized country. For anti-abortion rights activists, this is a moment of triumph. So we were joined earlier today as the decision came down by Terry Schilling of the American People's Project. It's a momentous decision, obviously. We've had 50 years of Roe v. Wade, um, and after so many years, uh, the court has finally done the right thing and return to constitutional law. Uh, it's a big deal because the, the premise of Roe was the viability standard, which is the, the problem with that is it's a moving target. Viability is always changing as technology changes. And now we can now allow for the people through their elected representatives to regulate abortion. There's a lot of misconceptions about overturning Roe. 
many people that were polled about this think that overturning Roe makes abortion illegal across the country. That's just not true. What happens now is the states will get to determine their own abortion laws. Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey kept the states and, and, and blocked them from being able to have any regulations whatsoever pertaining to abortion rights. The polling is very clear. While voters might, not, might not want to have Roe overturned, they don't understand Roe. They don't understand the implications of overturning it. Voters actually, by huge majorities, support banning abortion at 15 weeks, banning abortion when a fetal heartbeat is detected. There are all types of regulations that the American people are behind, and now they finally get to work through their elected representatives, through the democratic process, to protect the unborn and, and to protect the mothers and, and fathers who are involved in all of these issues. Terry, even if it does not make abortion illegal outright, 26 states are likely to ban abortion uh, now that it's uh, now that Roe is overturned. 13 states have trigger bans that take effect almost immediately. So the reality is an abortion will be far harder to come by in much of America. Right, but I, but frankly, I don't think that that's a bad thing. Abortion should be harder to come by in America because these are unborn children. The arguments from the other side, from the pro-life side of this, is that these are human beings. These are human beings that deserve rights, that deserve at least nine months in the womb, and then to be you know, given up for adoption. They deserve a shot at life. And frankly, I think that that's more than reasonable. There's always going to be exceptions. But right now, we have to deal with this through democracy, through democratic means where people vote and get to decide. What's, what's so terrible about Roe is just how anti-democratic it is, how anti-American it is. It took the decision away from the people to be able to d- decide whether or not they want to allow something that they view as barbaric as the killing of unborn children in their states. This is, these are critical issues. And frankly, if you disagree with the decision, I would urge you to get involved in politics, get involved in the electoral process and get your politicians elected or unelected based on how they vote on this. But for so long, the unfair aspect of Roe has been that people who want to protect the unborn haven't been able to pass laws to do it. What other area of our society, what other area of our law do we actually ban people from being able to organize and mobilize in politics? We, we allow all types of restrictions on, on gun rights, on the Second Amendment. And that's totally constitutional, right? And, and then there's, there's a specific amendment in the Constitution protecting the right to bear arms. But we allow people to regulate it. There's nothing in the Constitution that protects any right to abortion whatsoever. It's a penumbra of a penumbra. Terry Schilling at the American Principles Project. Those committed to reproductive autonomy include Dr. Katie McHugh, an OBGYN and abortion provider in Indiana. How are you digesting this ruling? My gut reaction is that I am gutted. I am so devastated for our patients and for uh, the people that that rely on the freedom to make their own private medical decisions. Uh, This decision uh, handed down by the Supreme Court does nothing to protect anyone's life except um, it just goes straight for control and oppression. And I am so, so devastated for all of us. What now going forward? How are you going to to help your patients? Uh, That's a really important question. Here in Indiana, we don't have a trigger ban. So I actually am in um, clinic today providing abortion care. And um, every one of my patients has been asking about what happens and can I still get my, I, I just saw on the news that the, the Supreme Court overturned Roe. Can I get my procedure this afternoon? 
Indiana doesn't have a trigger ban, but moving forward, we fully expect um, my state and many other states um, to prohibit this safe and very evidence-based compassionate care. Uh, so what we're doing is, is mobilizing uh, folks to help get people out of state, especially those folks who can't um, afford that transportation or afford childcare or uh, to take time off work. Just try to get those people funds and support and resources. And we're lobbying for the inclusion of healthcare and parental leave and uh, all of the types of things that that someone who might call themselves pro-life um, should be advocating for. So we are very pro-people, pro-life of the person, and we want to make things better for our patients. Dr. Katie McHugh joining us from Indiana. In Massachusetts, the governor signed an executive order that he said is intended to protect access to reproductive health care. The only abortion clinic in West Virginia, though, is no longer performing abortions now. We're going to look more at the impact of the Supreme Court ruling with our chief medical correspondent, Dr. Jennifer Ashton, when this ABC News special continues. You're listening to an ABC News special, the end of Roe v. Wade. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. The U.S. Supreme Court, in a 6-3 to three opinion, upheld a restrictive Mississippi abortion law, and a slightly smaller majority took the added step of overturning Roe v. Wade. The decision, though signaled in a leaked draft opinion in May, still stunned, since it marked a rare instance of the court stripping Americans of a right they had known for 50 years. ABC's chief medical correspondent, Dr. Jennifer Ashton, an OBGYN, is with us now. Jen, what's the impact here? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's so much. First of all, um, it's not just my medical specialty of women's health and surgery, OBGYN, um, but it's the certified nurse midwives. It's the physician's assistants, the nurse practitioners, um, anyone in the health and medical profession who's dedicated their lives uh, to reproductive health of women um, will tell you this is a very complex um, and nuanced situation. Of course, there's common about constitutional law and uh, society and ethics and religion here and legality, but to keep it squarely in the medical lane, um, you know, this is not a one-size-fits-all issue. This is something that oftentimes has literally life or death issues at stake and at hand uh, for the mother who is pregnant, also for the fetus. A lot of fetal anomalies are not even diagnosed or detected until 21 or 22 weeks weeks of pregnancy. Um, the clock is always ticking. And any healthcare professional who takes care of these women um, knows that this is a significant issue. I also want to read to you the official statement from the president of ACOG. This is the leading um, medical society, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, um, who says it's, a, it's quite a long statement. But in it, um, Dr. Hoskins says today's decision is a direct blow to bodily autonomy reproductive health, patient safety, and health equity in the United States. Uh, he goes on to say, the impact of this irresponsible decision will fall 
disproportionately on people who already face barriers accessing health care, including people of color, those living in rural areas, and those without ample financial resources. And there's a lot of discussion already within the health and medical community that this is just banning legal abortion in roughly half the country. Abortions will still continue, and they will oftentimes not be safe, um, putting women's lives at stake. And, you know, we've heard it before, women, women, women. Yes, this particular issue affects women, but I want to be crystal clear, this is not just a women's issue. This is a human health issue. Uh, there are men involved in these women's lives, fathers, sons, partners, um, who also feel very strongly and share the concern um, about this issue. And we need to understand that a lot of it has been falsified in terms of a non-factual narrative in this country. You know, the reality is over 90% of abortions occur in the first trimester. That's less than 13 weeks. Only about 1% of terminations in this country occur after 21 weeks. And that oftentimes is, as I said, because that's when a fetal anomaly um, that is incompatible with life has been diagnosed or when a maternal medical condition that is life-threatening uh, comes to the forefront. Uh, so this term partial birth abortion, that is not a medical term. Most OBGYNs, most surgeons uh, like myself who care for women don't even know what that refers to. And the reality is, is that it's just not true that a day before a due date um, that that fetuses are being aborted. Um, that That's just not based in medical reality. So I, I think that um, there's a lot at stake here just medically um, that is very subtle, very nuanced, very complicated. And the emotional issues um, are similarly complicated and nuanced. And, and both sides deserve respect and compassion and consideration when they talk about this. But at the end of the day and the beginning of the day, this is a discussion and an issue that has to occur between that individual and her credentialed and trained and qualified health care provider. Um, and, and I think that's what many women, both medical professionals and lay women alike and lay people alike, are trying to focus on today. Dr. Jen Ashton, and I want to pull ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts into the conversation, too. Uh, Steve, more than half of all abortions are done medically, not in a clinic. So what does this ruling mean for those procedures? Well, it's a very important dimension here. You know, um, the technology has advanced in many ways. And about 54% of abortions today are conducted through medications. And that means that um, the, the public doesn't fully understand that. And uh, women in states that where the rights will be restricted still have this option. Now, President Biden did warn um, that uh, in some of these states, even the right to get a package of pills in the mail could be restricted and could be monitored by government. And he warned strongly that um, he would oppose any attempts by governors and state legislatures to do that. But um, women do have that option today in ways that they did not when Roe v. Wade was passed uh, so many years ago. Steve Roberts, the ABC News political analyst. Coming up, we'll take you back to the Supreme Court when this ABC News special continues. You're listening to an ABC News special, The End of Roe v. Wade. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. The Supreme Court's abortion decision has been called a major step backward for public health, but also huge for those who believe that life begins at conception. 
Those competing views spilled onto the grounds of the U.S. Supreme Court as the opinion came down. ABC's M. Wynn was there. Aaron, the passion and tensions ran high outside the Supreme Court. Cheers erupted across anti-abortion protests when the final ruling came down. The conservative majority bench officially overturning the landmark case of Roe v. Wade. I talked to Melanie Salazar, who flew in from San Antonio. I was here the moment that we read the, the ruling. And I was overjoyed with tears, crying. Texas is one of 13 states to already pass a trigger law that would make most abortions illegal within one month of this final opinion. I feel overjoyed on cloud nine. Just steps away from those celebrations. Tears of anguish and disappointment. Disgusted. Sam Goldman has come out to protest in front of the Supreme Court every opinion day. She said she wished more people came out to march and rally after the leaked draft opinion came out in May, saying maybe that could have changed this outcome. We're the majority, and it's on us to not let this stand. One mother, Annie Hungaski, brought her three sons to join her in the protest. I'm tired of the government telling me what I can do with my body. In the hours after the opinion was released, hundreds of people continued to gather outside the Supreme Court. Law enforcement lined the streets. Leah Kalinowski, who flew in from California, said the ruling finally dismantles a president that was never explicitly written into the Constitution. It's a super awesome historical moment. Um, Roe v. Wade was a wrong decision from the beginning. She stood next to Salazar, both telling women not to worry, that while some abortion rights may be taken away, there's a growing number of resources for those who may need it. So there are resources. The pro-life movement is not going anywhere. We're not hanging up our hats. Our work has really just begun to continue walking alongside mothers and empowering them. Pushing back, Carolyn Fatimi echoing that more work has to be done, but in a different manner. This might empower people more to come out and vote. So while it is a disaster, it might be the kick in the butt that people need to really get out there. Fatimi tells me she's holding out hope that the November elections can put more blue leaders in power at the state, gubernatorial and federal level. Aaron. ABC's M. Wynn at the Supreme Court. And as demonstrations royal American streets, police tonight are warning protesters to stay peaceful, lawful, and nonviolent. There aren't many times in the life of a nation when you can see the significance of the moment, the history, right as you're living through it. But today was one of those rare times. A celebration 50 years in the making for some. And for others, a day of infamy when a people step backwards toward a past they do not want to relive. As has been said, history was watching today, and it will be watching and waiting to see what's next. I'm Aaron Katursky. You've been listening to a special presentation from ABC News.